Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Now we're going to get into uh, my big fat mouth, which y'all got to remember, this is not just about my big fat mouth. This is all of you have big fat mouths. I know you're not supposed to call people fat. I know it's rude. I know I get all of that, but like, like for real, like anyone here ever get in trouble with what you said? Anybody? Last week, y'all remember last week we talked about lying. So if you didn't raise your hand, then you need to go to last week's message and listen to it because you're lying about it. Like, you don't have to have a microphone and a platform to talk about things being crazy and for your mouth to get you in trouble. You can say things in the back of a classroom that get you in trouble. You can text things to people that get you in trouble. Like, all of us have a propensity to just put our foot in our mouth and to do things with our words that can destroy things. And last week we started with the idea that, that we have the ability to build up or to tear down with our words. Like your words have weight no matter who you are. And we're, we're talking through a couple areas where our words have especially extra power and extra weight. And I found myself in a situation where my words were destroying some things around me a couple months ago. See, what had happened was I went to the gym. Now, I know looking at me, you can't really tell that I go to the gym, but I go to the gym, I walk around, I sit on the equipment, I don't really do anything, I just sit there, and it's not working for me, so I need some personal training. But I'm at the gym, and I, I want to get fit, but I also am super cheap. So, like, I don't, like, so cheap, like, I don't buy a lock for my locker, all right? I'm like, I'll just leave my valuables in the car, it's not a big deal, and unless you forget to leave your valuables in the car, so this a couple months ago, I go in the gym with my valuables in my pockets, my watch, my wallet, things like that, I'm like, I'll just put it in the locker, it's no big deal, Right? And I come back, everything's fine. And then I don't, don't notice anything until the next day I'm looking at my bank statement and I see a charge for $1,600 at Target. Wow. Now for some of you, that's just called Tuesday, <laughs> right? But like in my house, like that's a lot of money for us to spend without talking about this. And I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, what is Rachel doing right now? Actually, I knew it wasn't her. And I was like, but I started to check though, right? Like I know this isn't you. But I just really need to make sure this isn't you. She's like, that's not me. So I'm calling the bank. And it became really apparent to me really quickly that the bank was not able to do what I would like them to do. And I began getting frustrated, right? Anyone there, you're in, on customer service call, either side of the call, like you're in customer service, or you're calling customer service, and you get frustrated, which I always try to remember, like, be nice to these people. Right, like I, it's not your your fault. You didn't steal from my bag. Like it's not you, and it's not even your policies. I always tell the people, hey, like I'm really frustrated right now, but I understand like it's not you. But I do need to see, kind of talk to somebody else here because they might be able be able to help me. And I get frustrated. I hang up the phone, and they weren't able to help me in the way I thought they should. So then, like I had the anger walk, which y'all know the anger walk. Like, like you're walking like fast around your house. Like I need to find someone. I need to tell someone about this. I find my wife. I just start explaining all the things to her. All this stuff, and they can't do this. And here's the deal. I love my wife. She's great, but she couldn't help me. And then I go to work on Monday, and I work with all church people because I work at the church. And I go, and I start doing the anger walk again around the people, and I start talking to all of them about the problems I'm having. And, <laughs> and they can't help me, right? 
And what I found myself doing is what so many of us do, and if we're really honest about it, it could be painful how much we've done in the last several months, is, is complaining. I'm just going to let it sink in a little bit, right? Like, we complain about all sorts of things. And here's, here's the deal. I realized through the situations, as I'm looking around stuff, is I got robbed twice through this whole ordeal. See, I got robbed once at the gym when whoever took my card here, they took a card, like a personal debit card, they took a work credit card, so I'm calling all the people trying to, and everything all got worked out, right? But I got robbed once then, I got robbed a second time when I went around and started complaining to everybody. Because here's the deal, and you know this because you receive this when people complain to you, is that complaining steals joy. And, and that's the, the whole point. If you want to like, skip out of here and go somewhere else online, or you just, I mean, you want to kindly go out the door, like that, that's the whole point for today. If you remember one thing, it's complaining steals joy. I'm going to talk about that for a bit and help you understand that. And you've all been in that situation, right? Like you've had someone complaining to you. But here's the deal. Complaining, I heard it said, complaining is a lot like bad breath. Like I recognize it when it comes out of your mouth, but I don't recognize it when it comes out of my mouth. And here's the deal. When we go around complaining, we steal joy from our lives and from people's lives all around us. And we complain for, for all different reasons. But before we talk about why we complain, we gotta have a definition because again, words matter. And if we're gonna talk about something, like let's have an even playing field. And the simple, simple definition of complaining is, is basically just expressing frustration without a solution. Like you're frustrated about stuff. And if we're honest, like you're not even really looking for a solution. You just wanna kind of talk about it with people, right? All of us are in the situation like that. We're complaining to people that they can't solve the problem and it's just expressing frustration, like a legitimate frustration. The emotion is there, but I'm just talking about people that can't help it. And we do this all the time, more than we even notice. Like, like statistics say that people complain an average of like 15 to 30 times every single day. It's like you work with some of these people. And people that you work with work with you and you are one of these people, right? <laughs> but we complain about all sorts of things. And we complain like sometimes you complain to get attention. Right? Like how many of y'all, your kids are like, man, I'm just so bored. I'm just so bored. There's smoke around the house. I'm so bored. What are they trying to tell you? I need you to do something with me, right? Or we get attention like we're at our kids thing or we're at work and we complain what we complain about. We complain about the boss's decisions. We complain about the weather. Man, it's so hot here. It's so rainy here. It's so cold here. It doesn't matter what the weather is. We find something to complain about because chances are I'm not going to come and be like, man, it's just such a beautiful day today. Praise God. It's so good. <laughs> and I was like, man, it's so hot out here. Like, I, man. But we complain about that stuff. We also complain because we want to like gain power or influence with people, right? Like I complain about those people over there to these people over here because then I'll gain influence with these people over here, right? Like I complain and then I find out too, oh, you all are complaining about this thing. I'm just going to jump right in and complain with you about that because that's what we do here because we want to build a connection built on complaining. Or sometimes we complain because we say, man, like I just want to avoid responsibility or excuse poor performance like you tell your parent, you tell your coach, you tell your job boss, you tell your teacher, it's not my fault, it's the other people in my study group. Let me tell you about their problem. Like my kids are acting out, let me just tell you about their, you know, their mom. It's not me, I'm a good parent. It's other, like, you complain, why? Because you want to avoid responsibility, you want to avoid people judging you about stuff. And if we boil it all down to one thing we complain about is we complain because we have unmet social needs. Like you have something that you want, you want a connection, you want influence, you want power, you want to avoid consequences, whatever. It's like you complain because you have unmet social needs. But here's the reality. The fastest way to destroy anything in life is to start complaining about it. 
So even the need that you have, like you can't control if you have that need or not most of the time. Like you can't control that they ignore you. You can't control that your boss did this. You can't control so many things, but you can control what you say about it. And because our words have so much weight, because they matter, not just to us, but for all the people around us, we gotta get a handle on this. We have to step back and say, I don't want to be a person that complains 15 to 30 times every single day. And, and this is what I'd say too, God doesn't want you to be that person either. See, we, as Jesus followers, as, as the people of God in the world that God created, we are to be people who offer joy and love and kindness to everyone we come into contact with. We should be the people that like, man, I hope I get some of those Christian people to move in next to me. I hope I have some Christians that work for me. I hope I can get a job working for a Christian. But if we're honest, a lot of times when you start telling people you're a Christian, they're like, oh, joy. Like, and we're not, we're not known for that. And even for some, some of you, like, that's why you're not really into the Jesus thing. And, and this is where I think God cares so much about us complaining because he knows complaining will steal joy. And he's called us to be a joyful people. And this is why this guy, Paul, who had all sorts of things to complain about, he wrote this, this small verse and it's used so much with complaining. My parents used it on me so much growing up because we grew up in a church home where, you know, we go to church and they'd use it. And a lot of you have heard this. This is what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter two. And you probably know this. You could probably finish this for me. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Y'all heard that one before? Man, we got like half the room full, but it feels like there's still like six people in here. I don't know how it's possible. But, but do everything without complaining or arguing or grumbling. Or, or, or here's the deal. That, like, that's the verse. It's in the Bible. So I'm just going to pray. We'll be done. We got football today. We have plenty of time to get things ready. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Now, but isn't that how we act, though, with something like this? Like, hey, it's in the Bible. And we even hear this said as like almost like a bragging kind of way. Like, it's in the Bible. God said, it. I'm going to do it. No questions asked. Like, like, really, no questions asked? The problem with that approach is you get a really shallow faith. That later, when questions become apparent to you, and you start asking questions, there's no foundation, there's no depth to it. So we got to step back and have a faith of a child. You ever have a child that ask why every minute of every day? Now, why can be as annoying as all get out. But also kids just want to learn stuff. They just want to know stuff. They're just not sure about things. And I think we need to have a childlike faith, faith and love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we need to ask why. And understand we don't understand everything. Because that's a great place to start. But understand even what, what Paul's talking about. We've got to unpack. What is he saying? Grumbling and arguing or complaining. Like grumbling is like this murmur. Again, some of you are these people. I am this person. In, my, in our house, like, I am this person. I'll tell you about that later. But we, we grumble, and it's even this word carries with it the idea of, like, a secret debate, right? Like, like I'm going around, I'm not broadcasting, although some of y'all love to broadcast your complaints, and I always read those on social media. I'm like, I don't think the people in front of you on 75 are going to read this. Like, I, know you're, I know you're upset with them, and I get it. You're frustrated, but, like, I don't think they're going to read this. So thank you for bringing joy to my experience today. Right, but it, what it is, is like a secret debate where you're talking with somebody else. It's the joy that you're stealing from people around you. And, and a lot of us, we do this, but also the other word here where he's talking about arguing, it's not arguing in the way we do it with someone else. It's like an internal. This is like an internal reasoning, deliberation. Like it's the joy you steal from yourself. Where you're complaining 
to yourself because I know it's true of me. It's probably true of you. I complain a whole lot more to myself before I complain to people. And I already get bent out of sorts in the situation. I'm on the phone and they're not helping me. I'm just getting frustrated. I'm just getting angry. I'm just like thinking all the things in my mind of how they're just doing me so dirty right now. And it's so wrong and it shouldn't be this way. I'm just so annoyed. And then I'm gonna go talk to someone else and spread that joy or like a toxin. And complaining always starts in our brains. And this is what we have to, have to understand is your brain always wants to work smarter, not harder. Like it always wants to do things easier. So your brain, as you do a repeated behavior, your brain will actually start to, to wire those neurons together in your brain so it, make it, it makes it easier and easier and easier to do it. Like how many times you pull your phone out of your pocket when you're standing in line and you don't even think about it? Because that's your reaction that you do. Right? How many times you get around people, and this is like I have friends of mine where we're like sports people and we love the sports ball, and, and some of my friends are not like that. Like, hey, we're equal opportunity. You can like sports or not like sports, right? You can even like the Patriots, like me, and people still show you love. Although I guess now, now it's like, now there's a deal. Your digital campus, you're all over the place, but hey, here in Valrico, like this basically is the Patriots now down here in, in Tampa, right? I don't know what you're clapping about. Like, you're clapping about football. Don't clap about Jesus, but we clap about football here. Some of you are like, this is my church. This is it right here. But, but here's the deal. As you do things, as you're around people that you, like for me, my sports friends, I get around these people, I automatically just start, start talking about sports. Why? Because these, in my brain, when I get in this situation, when I get in this environment, it's like, okay, these are the people I talk with this topic about. My brain automatically goes there. That's the same reason why when I go around people that I complain with, when you get around people you complain with, it's automatic. You don't even think about it. And you just start complaining with these people. And we gotta ask, why doesn't God want you to complain? Because it's so normal and it seems like, man, it doesn't really hurt anybody. Like, it seems like it's okay. That this is the reality of why God says, don't do that. Paul continues writing and he says, this is number one right here. It's so that you may become blameless and pure. You be blameless and pure. And then he goes on to quote this ancient song of Moses where he says, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Now again, that, he's not talking about like just those people in that time right there. This is again, thousands of years even before Paul lived where he's quoting this from Moses. And for us, like we just have to recognize and I think we can recognize like every generation is messed up, right? Like some of you don't think that. You think that generation's messed up. And let me, let me tell you real quick, here, here at the church, not just because I'm the next gen pastor, but because we believe all people matter. That includes all ages of people. And we are not going to belittle the next generation or the past generation. We are going to believe in them. And this is why, and this is, you can clap about that. And this is, this is here's the deal. You are not too old to do something. Like you are not too old to come in and change someone's life. God, some of you, man, you got so much wisdom. You can just sprinkle it all over people all around you. I mean, keep your face mask on, do all that. Don't like literally sprinkle wisdom on people, right? But like, you have so much to offer, but you feel like for whatever reason, you're pushed to the sides and go, well, I'm just too old now. Like, like no, you're not. But then the younger generation coming up where it's like, man, they just don't care about anything. They just, and here's the deal. If you belittle a generation, they will live up to that expectation. Doesn't matter what age. And we will believe in every generation where we can reach people because we need everybody to reach everybody. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your story is. Jesus can use you. And this is where Paul is saying, when you complain, you're not being blameless and pure. 
and you're not able to do anything in the generation that's missed the mark, that's messed up, that's broken. And this is what we're supposed to be. When we don't complain, he says this in, in verse 15, he says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. He said, if you complain, kind of this is, you back it up for a second. If you complain, you're not shining like a light. And when you don't complain, you can be literal translation like, like light in the world. That sounds a lot like the teaching that Jesus brought in. Or again, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna look at what would Jesus undo. One of the things that Jesus taught is that we are light and salt. We are supposed to be difference-making people. And what is complaining? Complaining is, is expressing frustration with no solution. That makes you a problem person, not a solution person. And Jesus didn't come just to express problems. Jesus came to say, hey, I have a solution. Actually, I am the solution. For all the brokenness, all things in life, like you have something that's messed up. And this is why we as a church, we are a solution church. This is why we partner with so many partner organizations. We go out and we find areas and we believe we don't have to be experts on stuff because we're not experts on stuff. But we can, go, we can find places that are fighting against and preventing homelessness. And we go, hey, you guys are crushing it. We're going to give you money. We're going to resource you. We're going to send people over to volunteer. We can go to areas where uh, organizations that work with people who are in un, unplanned pregnancies and go, I need options. Like, we want to help you with that. We can go help people who dis- distribute food. We can help schools. Like, we don't have to be the center of everything that God is doing. We can go find people meeting needs. And this is why we literally give tens of thousands of dollars away every single year to our partner organizations. Because we are solution people, because Jesus is a solution savior. But let's be honest, it's really easy to give money and be a part of a group of people meeting solutions, but not actually be part of the solution in ourselves. Like, here's the deal, like, is your neighborhood better because you live there? Is your school better because your kids are there or because you're a student there? Like, like, go in any organization, anywhere you're at. Is it better because you're there? Are you being light? Are you shining differently there? Because here's the thing about light. Light illuminates and light gives perspective. See, and when people are complaining, your kind of perspective you have is like all right here, right now. You're kind of focused on yourself and focused on the situation. And we should be a people who could come in and offer perspective. My wife does this in an incredible way. And I'll tell you what, it bothers me and annoys me so much. Y'all think I'm kidding, but like for real, like this is what will happen in our house. I will go in and I'll start complaining about stuff because like the way my mind works and it's not that it's okay. It's like I'm working through actually literally like working with my counselor through some of this stuff. Like I am really quick processing, really quick futuristic thinking, really quick strategy. So I'm like, oh, they did that. So they mean this and that. I'm like off to the races with the complaint already. And Rachel, one of her strengths is empathy. And she will come as I'm like, man, this is so frustrating. I'm so annoyed by this. And like, it's not like every time, because oh, she's not Jesus, but like, <laughs> a lot of the time, Rachel will go like, have you thought about this other side of the perspective? Have you, have, have you thought about, like, they probably didn't mean that. They probably meant this thing over here. I'm like, girl, shut up. <laughs> Ma'am, please, thank you. But, but here's the deal. It can be so annoying, but also it's so enlightening. Because I realized, man, my perspective is totally on myself right now. And it's not about these other people. It's not trying to understand this situation. It's not bringing any different view. And as believers, as people who follow Jesus, our perspective should be different. Because it's not all about just here and now. 
Jesus came and said, I want to change things here and now, but I also have changed things then in the future. And if your perspective is simply here and now, then all you're going to complain about and care about is right now. And you're going to get into a situation where you go, I have no idea what this is doing. There's no redemptive purpose and there's nothing that God could be doing. And God's going, you're looking right now. Try to look 20 years from now. Because for so many of us, we would acknowledge and what was painful in the moment actually proved to be purposeful later. And God did something through that. And I wouldn't request that. I would not ask. I would not ever hope that anyone else would experience that. But God used it. And let me say quickly, if you have situations like things are difficult, things are unpleasant, like issues you need to address, like it's not complaining to address it to the right person, right? Like you go talk to the right person about the right thing, like that's actually gonna help your life. But again, when you go around complaining and talking to people who can't help the situation and it doesn't change anything, like you're probably not talking to the right person. That's where you need to go and think through, okay, if I keep talking to these people and nothing changes, who do I need to talk to to get things to change? Because chances are if nothing's changing, I'm probably complaining, and I know we, we love to complain about stuff. I get it. I love to complain about stuff, but I'd rather be known for joy than complaints. And I think that's because Jesus would rather be known for joy than complaints. To understand the perspective we have to have, we have to go back actually a little bit in the chapter where, where Paul lays out this, um, this kind of idea of like what we have in Jesus. And this is kind of how he just said, hey, this is the perspective that you should have as a Jesus follower. And again, if you're not a Jesus follower, like you can complain all you want. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to suck the joy out of every room you go into. I don't think you want that. And if you are a Jesus follower, this is the perspective you should have. He, he starts with this. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, talk about God's love, if you have any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking out for your own interest, but each to the interest of others. Like what Paul is saying is, do you have the encouragement from Jesus? Like, like you're following Jesus, you signed on to the thing, like, you, yes, Jesus is the best, and like, I want to follow him, I want him to change my life and change the lives of people around me. Like, do you have encouragement from him? Do you have any comfort? Do you have any tenderness? Do you have the love that God has for you? If you have all that stuff, then why are you complaining about such small needs that go unmet? Like, all your big needs are met. So why are you getting so focused up on, on you? Why do I get so focused up on me? Because when I complain, I'm not complaining about the problems of other people generally. And let me say too, it's, it's so crazy because he talks about, hey, if you have this stuff, then set aside yourself for the care and the interest of others. And this thing gets incredible. In our church, we have people doing that all the time. And even right now, like, here's the reality. Everyone has opinions about everything, right? Like, opinions are nothing new. I heard opinions are like butts. Everyone has one, and we don't really want to see yours, Right? <laughs> And you can have an opinion about stuff. And people, you know, you know, people have opinions about how we do check-in or kids ministry or the music. Or, I mean, people have opinions about all sorts of things. This is what I'd say. I told you, you should have an opinion. God gave you a mind to have an opinion and to express that. But if your opinion is restricting or excusing you from loving people, then your opinion is the object of your faith. And this is what I'd say. And some of you, you you're not thinking about this way. And I want to like, 
Like, I want to be careful because to be straight with you, I get angry about this, and it's not good to preach about angry stuff because then you're just angry about all the things. But, like, kind of, like, push you in a loving, pastoral way. Like, some of you need to set your opinion down at the altar and say, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And I will set down whatever opinion I have about whatever thing. Because again, if your opinion is excusing you or restricting you from serving people and loving people, I don't think that's from Jesus. Now you can argue with me on that. You can send your emails to shut up at centerpointfl.org <laughs> if you want to. But, but here's the deal. I got opinions. Our staff has opinions. Everyone's serving. You all have opinions. Everyone has opinions. Opinions are not bad. But when I elevate my opinion and I say, well, I can exclude all these people because Jesus and I are good. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Like, it, we'll keep moving because I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> You're complaining about unmet needs. Jesus comes and Paul's laying out, hey, you have all your needs met. Like, through Jesus. It doesn't mean you don't have hardships. It means that even in your hardship, you still have Jesus. And if you've bought into or been told, I'll say the lie of his prosperity, everything is good and Jesus wants to bless you and he wants your life to be great, like that's a load of bull. Like Jesus came and he told you, your life will be hard, it will be difficult, but you get me. And what's better than that? So this is where we got to shift our focus off of ourselves, off of temporary things and shift it to eternal things and focus on gratitude because I believe gratitude is the antidote for complaining. Because even in the situation, right, where I'm on the phone with the bank and they're not doing what I want them to do and I'm like, man, I'm really upset, really frustrated. Like I can sit there and actually say, well, I mean, I can be thankful. Like we, I have a job like, 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 thank you, like, my job, I haven't been restricted from my income throughout the last several months. Like, I can be thankful for that. I can be thankful for that, like, we have $1,600 in the bank because, like, some of y'all, like, real talk, if you lost $1,600, like, you would not know how to pay your bills. Like, I can be thankful for a lot of things. I got a wife and kids and a house. And, like, I, I got all these things. I got Jesus. I got relationships. Like, I have all these things around me. Like, I'm getting so upset and so bent out and sucking up so much joy and stealing joy from myself and people around me because of this. And it's not saying you don't have hardship. It's saying, I want to choose, choose to be grateful over that. And this is why Paul says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Because our focus should always be on everything we've been given through Jesus. No matter what you're going through in life. And it's not just like this big ethereal idea of like, wow, yeah, this is such a good thought. Like legitimately, like you can be thankful for things. Everywhere you go, chances are in your situation, there are things you can be thankful for. And even if you don't, you can still choose to be thankful that's why if you flip through this letter that Paul wrote, you get to like chapter four. Paul says this incredible passage that we take and we misuse all over the place. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not talking about achieving anything. It's talking about finding contentment. That's not about your promotion. It's not about the grade. It's not about getting with that person. It's not about getting that new car. Like that's none of that stuff. Paul is saying, even if I don't have all that stuff, I have Jesus and that gives me the strength to accept this and with contentment walk through life. And here's what I like, contentment makes what you have enough. Gratitude says, hey, even though I missed out on it, and like it sucks and it's hard again, frustration is not the problem. It's expressing it and going around and sucking up all the joy around you and you're just expressing this frustration with no solution. 
Paul says, it, like, like, if you have Jesus, why are you complaining about all stuff that doesn't matter? I can I just be straight with you? I think one of, the, one of the biggest tragedies in the church is that we complain about so much and we change so little. Like, you want to complain about all this stuff, but you're not willing to do anything about it? Like, what version of Jesus do you have? And that's not me asking that. That's all the people who don't believe that know you looking at you and asking that question. Because why would I want to sign on to that Jesus thing if your life sucks just as much, much as mine does? Like Jesus came and he's, he ushered in this new way of life and he taught that his way of life was full of joy and, and gladness and gentleness and compassion and, and all these positive things that are not outside of us but are now inside of us. And Jesus is saying, this is my body. You go and be that way to all the people around you. Because here's the thing, if you start expressing joy and love and peace to people all around you, you will not believe how many people come to you when they have needs. And not like just financial needs. But when people come and they close your door at work and they say, man, I got to talk to you like she left. I got nowhere else to go and I don't know what to do, but she left and I think it's all done and it's thumbs up. I did, but, but your life is different and I just need, can, I don't believe in Jesus, but you believe in Jesus. Would you pray for me? And this is when your neighbors come over and they go, man, I, I can't trust hardly anybody, but I can trust you. Like, I just need to talk. Because when your needs are met, you're attracted to people who have needs. And Jesus came out saying, hey, I'm the one to meet all needs. That's why people with needs were attracted to him. He didn't push them away. He didn't join in their complaining. He said, hey, come to me. I'm gonna give you rest for your soul. I'm gonna meet your deepest needs. But for us to get to that point in our lives where we are able to be in partnership with Jesus, meeting people's needs, we had to start somewhere. We had to take an honest look in the mirror. Like we talked about how average people complain, you know, 15 to 30 times a day. Like I think, as I'm thinking about, like I probably fall in that category. A lot of you do too. If you're not sure, ask people you work with or your spouse, people in your house. But here's what we have to do. We have to start with looking in the mirror. And this is why you see this so many times in, in recovery programs and ways to change your life is you gotta start with the honest assessment. That's why like, like Alcoholics Anonymous, the fourth step, it says, a search and a fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I love that language because how many of us are afraid what we will see when we look in the mirror? So we just don't. And you're afraid of all these hurts that you see and you're afraid of all this impurity that you feel. You feel dirty, you feel gross, you feel broken beyond repair. And Jesus is saying, hey, I will meet those needs. Yeah, it's real frustration, it's real pain. You don't need to keep talking about it when it's not gonna solve anything. You can come talk to me about it and I will solve it for you. Because the reality is as long as you ignore something, it's impossible to change it. And if you want to ignore your problems, ignore even for you right now, maybe you're thinking about your, how much you complain. If you want to ignore that, it's going to be impossible to change it. So how do we do that? Like, like practically, this is one of my things. Like I want to make it like boots on the ground, practical. Like you can do something. Like it's always encouraging when you come with, hey, great message. Like that's great. Like thank you. But like, like what did you do with it? Like how is your life different? Like I don't want you to come in. No one on our staff wants you to come in and go, that was a really fun experience and it didn't change anything. My life is going to be exactly the same as I go out to work on Monday. And then we've totally missed it. Like what can you actually really practically do? 
I want to help you with this. this is, I got this from this guy, Will Bowen, who started this, really it's this movement now called the Complaint-Free World. And he has this really simple idea. And some of you have seen this, you've heard about this, where you put a bracelet on your wrist. And every time you complain, you just take the bracelet and you switch it from your one wrist to the other wrist. And as you go out your day, you're just switching your bracelet from one wrist to the other. This is what's crazy. He started out, he was a pastor out in the Midwest. He's, he bought like 500 of these bracelets for the church. We're gonna hand them out. A bunch of people took them and a bunch of people came and said, hey, we need more of those because we want everyone else that we know to do this. And he thought, man, I'm onto something. Now they've, they've distributed over 11 million of these bracelets worldwide. Because complaining is such a problem for us and we need to be conscious of it. And he talks about how you need to engage your mind and your body together. Because again, your brain will do what is easiest and what's been trained to do. So you'll just keep complaining. You need to take and do something. He says, you don't have to buy the bracelet from him. Like you can use it in a rubber, a rubber band. You can use a hair tie. You can even put a, a, your phone in one pocket and switch it to the other pocket as you complain throughout the day. But you need to become conscious of this. Because again, I'm really conscious of your complaining. And what will happen is you hear a message like this, and you're like, man, all those people around me, they all complain so much. All my coworkers, all my friends, all my classmates, the people in my house, like, they all complain so much. They really need to get on this. And you'll go out and buy, buy bracelets for everybody else. And you'll become judgmental over their sin instead of being broken over your sin. So you gotta get this into your brain. And again, it's not just about stopping complaining so that your life is better. It's about embracing the life that Jesus has called us to so that we can make everyone's lives better. Not just for right now, but for eternity. And can you, can you imagine what your life would look like if you said, I'm not gonna complain anymore. I'm gonna do my very best to become conscious of it and to remove it from my life because your words have weight and your complaining is stealing joy from you or people around you. Can you imagine if you reversed that and instead of going out and complaining, you went out and spreading joy to people all around you? Imagine the kind of, of, of witness, of testimony, of, ex, of example you'd be of a life of fullness if you're at work and you're at school and you're at home and something happens and it hits the fan and you're like, man, everyone's like, man, this sucks. And you're like, you know what? This is really difficult, but I'm still gonna choose joy. Because then again, people who have needs will become attracted to you and wanna come and say, hey, like you have something I don't have. It seems like you have encouragement from this Jesus that you follow. It seems like you have comfort. It seems like you have love. It seems like you have compassion and tenderness. Like, I, I want that. So how do I have that? The reality is for all of us, in order for Jesus to meet our needs, we have to meet Jesus. And he calls us into that. He says, hey, willingly, I will meet all your needs. I will love you unconditionally. I already do. I already sacrificed myself. And for all of us, we are that broken, that, that twisted and crooked generation where we have broken things. We have missed the mark completely. Like we can't even, even measure up to God's standard. And you know that and I know that. But Jesus came and said, if you believe in me, not just as having a solution, but as the solution, like I'll restore all of humanity back to me. You don't have to do anything. You can still come to Jesus with your complaints. You can even have Jesus and you can keep complaining. Because how many of us still do that? But Jesus comes and he says, I want to meet your needs. No matter what they are. But again, I think for so many of us, it starts with an honest assessment of ourselves. To look in the mirror and say, I'm not good enough. I can't measure up. I've tried this thing and maybe even you're watching on, on our digital campus or you're in the house and you're like, man, like, like I'm just at this place where I'm just trying so hard, I'm trying to knuckle it. Because what happens is you hear something like this, you're like, okay, that's one more stack of things to add to my already busy, hectic internal struggle. 
got to stop complaining on Jesus saying, no, 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 you don't have to. Just come give me that. I'll give you rest for your soul. And that's why Jesus came. And I believe this, I believe this really happened. I believe God came to earth as Jesus lived a perfect life that we could not live because he was God in skin. And then he died for us. And, and there's no reason that he should have done that outside of his incredible, reckless love for us. But he didn't stay dead. He, he rose three days later. And I know that's a hang up for a lot of people. I'd say just investigate the resurrection. Check that out. But I, I believe that literally happened. And Jesus proved through that that he has the power to take all of our complaints, to take all of our brokenness and to offer us joy and life to the full as he says it. And I think there are people right now, digital campus, Valrico campus, you want that. Like you're tired of just working and straining and trying all these things. And you're like, man, if I stop complaining, I'll have joy. No, you can try to stop complaining. You still don't have joy because you don't have Jesus. I say, would you just real simply, would you just turn and trust Jesus? You look at an honest assessment of yourself in the mirror and then you say, oh, I can't do it, but Jesus can. I'm gonna turn towards him. I'm gonna trust him. I think people right now, again, online, on site, you want that. And what I'd encourage you to do is you can text everybody, no matter where you're at, text CC Decide to 94,000. You text CC Decide to 94,000. We would love to follow up with you on that because we believe that it really matters as you interact with Jesus to have someone to walk with you through that. Would you pray with me no matter where you're at? Let's pray. And let's pray for people who are in the, the, the trap of complaining that your joy is gone. We're also gonna pray for people who wanna trust Jesus today. Let's, let's pray and then we'll continue worshiping God. Thank you so much, Jesus, for how good you are. God, thank you that even though we complain, even though we are imperfect, God, you, you don't let us down. And God, thank you for being everything we need, for meeting our greatest needs. And God, for people who are realizing that, that they bought into some version of you that is incomplete, maybe part of it's accurate, but it's, it's they have to try harder or you're just gonna make everything beautiful in this life. God, we, we understand that you've come to give us life to the full and we want that life. And we understand that means to trust you. So God, I pray that we would stop trusting in ourselves and we would start trusting in you and that you would do something spectacular through our gathering. God, we could be people who, who no longer steal joy, but God, we could be people who distribute joy all over the place. And that as we do that, you would bring people into our paths that need to experience you. God, that we would be willing and capable people to lead people to you. God, thank you for this gathering. Most of all, thank you for your love. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.